right, guys, you are about to listen to the second part of my conversation with Amin Nikfar, throws coach from UNC. Make sure you listen to the end when he talks about what coaches are looking for in athletes when recruiting them. Take a moment to leave us a review. It helps us a lot. And enjoy. All right, and we're back from a little break. Um, Amin, we haven't talked about ACC. In the conference. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about the conference yeah. for sure. Um, how competitive, how different it is to recruit here at UNC. What are what are some things you're looking for in recruits for UNC or? Yeah, and so so we're 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 learning quickly, right? Like we got a new staff at UNC. Um, five of the seven staff members came over from Stanford. Um, the two that didn't come had other awesome opportunities. Uh, one of them, Coach Gabe Sanders, is the director of track and field at BU now. And the other one, uh, Liz DeBole, um, just had her second child and and uh, doing the mom thing for a while and is super happy, super happy with that. Um, and so five of us came over from UNC, or came over from Stanford, I'm sorry. And uh, we had two other hires, Coach Nadell, um, as one of the distance coaches and coach Wheatley uh, brought him over from university of Illinois sprint coach. Um, And so it's, it's a lot of learning right now, learning who the kid is learning who, who's going to be a good fit. And, um, and, and really hopeful that we're, that we're doing it the right way, you know? And so it's obviously a a high academic student athlete that we're recruiting, um, you know, high academic, high athletic. Um, So, there's there's not a ton of those in the country, um, but the ones that they're that that are around, um, a lot of them are really good choices. And then you know, got to figure out how to get them. Yeah. So every institution has a little bit of different culture, a little bit of different type of athlete that fits in that doesn't fit in. Yeah, just just nuances, right? Like different nuances at different institutions. Um, and you know, recruiting at 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 Stanford, recruiting at at UNC are different, and recruiting at UVA, um, or you know, UVA, Duke, Wake, uh, Syracuse, any any of the ACC schools. I think there are going to be a lot of a lot of nuances that are different. And I, I'd actually like to hear you talk about um, what you see in terms of recruiting in in the ACC, and and um, and and what have been what have been some strategies that you use, like we talked about the, uh, the four horsemen, uh, that you had, yeah, um, yeah. but out, outside of that, you've had some, some really good success too. And I, I'd love to hear about it. Um, and you know, hopefully use it against you later. <laughs> sure. I think, I think what's unique about ACC in general, it's that it became last eight years. And I look when I first came, ACC in 2012, when I look at history books, it changed a lot. So something like in chocolate, for instance, right? Well, you used to win, you used to win the conference with 18 meters. 1780 was top three. Discus, when I first came, 53 was an ACC champ, right? And now you have MacArthur at UNC. You, you got him over 20, right? So he's winning with 20 meters. You have to throw over 18 to become top eight, right, to score. So it changed a lot. It's very competitive. And I think people, as we're going through through the time, I think parents and kids appreciate higher education a little bit more. 
uh, maybe than before and the challenges and benefits that come with it right what, what makes you a better person uh, you know you gotta stack iron while it's while, while it's hot right so during this is their growing period so i think par- parents realize and athletes that it is they're not afraid to put themselves in a challenging situation academically right so i think we get a lot of a lot of athletes who want to come but then at the same time we can't get them in school sometimes right even though they're going to be a great success so that's the most challenging part is getting kids in school into schools like uva like unc right uh, high academic situation uh, uh, institutions it, it's it's a difficult part but at the same time when you do get those athletes you know that you have a great diamond right so you know he's he or she is going to fit in they're going to make uh, they're going to make it through and you can do some incredible stuff with them they're going to listen they're going to pay attention they're going to be willing to work hard as hard as they need to um so it's it's a good or bad thing it's good because you can get those when you get those athletes you know they're going to work hard it's bad because you can't get everybody right uh and it's really interesting it's a really tough situation that we're in because you do have to get those very good academic students and convince them that you know UMV, UNC, UVA, UNC, Duke, they're great institutions for them rather than Stanford and like, um, Yale and Harvard, right? Um, so it's it's good and it's bad. It's hard, right? But yes, it, it became so much more competitive as you see the results Right, so I'm sure MacArthur, when he will be at nationals, he will be contending for national championships titles. Right, uh, same as Julian. Right, Julian, uh, she's incredible uh, for national ranking. Right, we had Jordan Scott this year in triple jump, who was NCAA champ last year. Right, so it's it's really, really uh, you have to pay attention to those athletes too. Right, you have to recruit everybody, and you have to see really quick do they fit, and if they do, stay on top of them. Make sure they know that you want them here and make sure you don't lose their contact because coaches will come in like yourself, right? Who's going to try and steal them and steal them, right? Oh, one unquote, right? There's no, like, this is my athlete I started. Well, give them an, give them an alternate opportunity. Yes, yeah, right? more an often. alternative option. <laughs> so it's really stay on top of them. So, um, yeah, it can be challenging. It can be rewarding. But uh, I think everywhere it's becoming like that, not just ACC. I think every every conference. What have you seen different uh, so far? I, I think I think the the per, in terms of performance, um, the uh, the two events you know in the in the throws that I see stand out the most are the women's javelin and the women's hammer, right? Like the level of competition in the in the ACC and the women's javelin and the women's hammer is 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 pretty incredible. Um, you know, talking to a few coaches in the conference. Um, you know, including you and Colin Post and 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 BJ over at 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 Duke and and Corey at Miami. Um, one of the things that we're, we were talking about um, at the indoor meet was was how we think that there were likely going to be six women over fifty four meters in the javelin. That's incredible, right? It's like all just, American level, older, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, that's that's podium level, right? That, that's top eight level at, at the NCAA Any championship year. and and on the descending order list to to you know kind of see and. And, and guess that there were going to be a half a dozen or more women in the javelin over 54 meters. Like that's, that's incredible. And if you want, if you want high level competition in the women's javelin, ACC is it, it's where it'll be. you know, it's it right now. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that I, that pops out is, is the women's hammer. Yeah. 
right? Like last year, I believe it took 63 meters to score one point at the conference meet. And, and that's a few feet further than it took to score one point at the, at the national meet, looking at the average of the last five or six years. So, you know, and you've been in, you've been in the middle of that for the last eight years. You know, what is that? What, what does that look like? Oh, it's, it's mind blowing. Uh, when you see somebody like you mentioned, uh, women's hammer, Jay Baker, right? She threw our school record 63, almost 80, right? 63 plus and to be seventh with that, right? Barely scoring. It's incredible. Julian had to win with the ACC record, right? It, it changed so much. I remember first year, it took 15 years in Hammer to score. 15 years. That was it. To be top eight, uh, you make finals with 49. Uh, Logan, Logan did a great job that year for us. And it's just completely different level. It's NCAA level. We had three guys over 60 meters just in this case a couple of years ago. Shoppers, right? With Philip McCarter now. Um, we had FSU uh, kid um, that was very good. Drew, uh, yeah, over over twenty. It is just different level. When I was at SCC, I remember one of my friends getting a full ride in one of the school at ACC for seventeen meters in Chapel, and he was second <laughs> with seventeen to eighty. Right now, you can't even you can't even recruit those people. Well, right? and even even at the national level too, right? Like if if you look at outdoor NCAA's from a couple of years ago, nineteen seventy two scored one point in the men's shot. One point. Talk about hammer and NCAA level. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> right. I think in this, I'm going to get a little bit controversial on this one. Okay. Right? So the, the, the last couple of years, the last couple of years in the men's hammer, it's taken 69 and 70 meters to, to get six throws. Right. The last couple of years, there have been some really good examples of the highest, I'm sorry, of, of the furthest throw to not score one point at the NCAA championship. And, and people see that in, in, in their mentality is like, Oh, the hammer's so hard. No, the hammer's catching up, right? The hammer's catching up to events like the hundred meters where 10 Oh five watches from the stands. Right. So let's, let's do that. Let's keep going. Let's make the, let's make the events better. Right. Like, yeah, it's harder. It's absolutely harder, but, but the, the level of competition rising is important for the sport. Right. Because, you know, I don't know what we'd have to be in in the men's hammer to to be comparable to ten oh five watching from the stands, but it certainly isn't seventy meters. Like it might be seventy four meters, right? Seventy four, seventy five meters might be comparable to to ten oh five. I'm kind of shooting from the hip on that one. But so in, in ballpark, you know, yeah. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be. People gonna go. I have list. This is how many points. Yeah. Well, oh, actually, <laughs> it's it's seventy seventy four thirty eight. I don't know. I don't know. Right. I'm I'm shooting from the hip. Right. But. But the point's the same, right? The point is the level of competition is rising, and that's good for the sport. It, it definitely is, and you have to look at it from that way, right? If you don't look at it from that way, then you're finding yourself in a situation, one of those coaches, like, oh, my God, all these foreigners taking scholarships, right? Foreigners have been here forever, and how are they not helping, right? We're talking about 80s um, with discus throw, shot putters, jumpers, Distance runners from Europe, right? This this is not a new thing. This has been, and this is not only in the throws. Exactly, and it's not by no means a, a bad thing when you have now Rudy throwing and Connor throwing 78, 77 meters and becoming Olympians, right? Mm -hmm. Because they do need that extra uh, to get an extra level. Because at the end of the day, what's the point of doing sports if you don't want to be the best uh, of the best, right? Well, and if you don't want to compete against the best. Yes. Right. Like if, if, if we're going to sit here and say that we want to compete against the best, we, we got to do that. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, giving, giving opportunities to, to good throwers and, and good track athletes and good jumpers from around the world, I think contributes to our sport getting better. Yeah. No, it benefits everybody. And that's why I said it's so important to give 
credit to these high school coaches who are taking initiative at the youngest level to learn. And I'm sure you have this a lot as well. I have a lot of high school coaches uh, call me, how do you do this? What should I do to, with, with uh, my hammer throws, with my shot putters? What are some good drills? And now with internet, with YouTube, right? Uh, you have somebody like Diego from Kenya who learned, taught himself to throw through YouTube. Obviously got to the level good enough to go to Finland and be coached for 90 meters plus. But that's how you, that's opportunities that we have now and how incredible it is to watch those athletes throw that far, right? And then come to international meets and compete that, in, uh, that competitively, right? So I, I think it's definitely a good opportunity and we just have to keep, uh, keep, keep track or keep along, uh, not lose, not lose distance from that uh, improvement, right? So coaches do need to pay attention more to athletes' needs, be more knowledgeable, help them more. And it just benefits everybody from high school to college to international to international level professional. And, and us included, right? Absolutely. Mm. I think I think that the um, the the opportunity to learn in, in your events that you coach and opportunity to learn about your sport is always there. And, and the will to do that should should be there also, you know, and I, and I think that, um, you know, not just not speaking down from the ivory tower saying all these, all these other coaches should be doing this stuff, but yeah, I should, I should learn also, right? Like I need to take opportunities to learn um, whether it's, you know, whether it's learning throw specific things from other throws coaches or, you know, kind of, you know, pulling from other event groups or other sports to, to learn what commonalities can, can be helpful in the throws and, and never being satisfied with what you know and always trying to learn more. I like the story you talked about, uh, one, one of your athletes that you coached that um, they needed to throw that day, just throw as many throws as they can physically do it so they can be relaxed, they can be stress relief because that that's what they needed just to go crazy that day, obviously within a limit, right? Sure. Uh, tire themselves out. Sure. You will never see it in, the, in that any coaching book. Like how many throws did you take? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm just guessing like 150 throws right that day, but she, you know, he or she needed that. Mm -hmm in order to perform yep. better next day. Absolutely. And, and I think those are, those are some variables that, that aren't in the book, yeah. right? Those are variables that are, that are more the art of coaching than the science of coaching. And, you know, I, 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 I oftentimes think in, in, in less time say that if I coached from the book, I'd be fired, yeah. you know? And, and, and I think that there's, there's a, um, there's an intersection of, of, of art and science that, that, that is really what we're trying to do. Um, and if we went too too far one way or the other, we wouldn't be relevant. It's definitely art. What works for somebody, uh, it might not work for somebody else, right? In terms of training, okay, there's there's basics that you hit, you have to do, right? In technique, there's some things that really won't work, right? Like if you're throwing discs behind your head, it's not going to go as far. <laughs> so there's always have you tried it? <laughs> so always there's some basis to to everything, right? But then to get that little extra from an athlete. To help him or her to get that little extra level, you really have to learn for that what works best for that athlete, and that might be through listening to them, going uh, talking to their coaches in high school, talking to their parents, uh, whoever had impact on them or helped them get to that level. Any feedback works. Yeah, and, and just just learning learning anything that learning the things that make them tick. Right, learning the things that 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 matter to them. Learning learning about them as a person. Learning about about all the stuff that that is typically not a variable that you would take into account if we were training in a vacuum, right? It's this sport is, is 
really rising to the level we never had. Right? You have five guys, no, more than that. You had 11 guys throw over 22 meters. I don't know. What was Everybody's that? throwing 22 <laughs> meters now. Everybody's throwing 22 meters. 20 is, what is 20 now? 20 is the new 19, <laughs> right? 20 is the new 19. Yeah. So um, the whole sport went to the next level, and we have to we have to catch up with that. Absolutely, and and it's and it's ultimately good for the sport, right? Yeah. Like I think it 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 puts puts a little added stress on on individuals and and coaches and athletes. But I also think that that's that's something that needs to happen yeah. for for the sport to progress. What do you think in U.S. could be better in high school level? Um, that that's a tough one. That's a tough one because I I think a Every coach who dedicates any of their time to high school athletes matters so much. Is an is an angel. They're they're a saint. Um, and and I think that that you know, ir- irrespective of their coaching knowledge, they matter so much, right? Because you know they're they're getting paid seventeen cents an hour to. To, to coach kids because, and they can, and they care and they care, right. If they're getting paid, right. Like, you know, and they care. Um, and, and I, I think it'd be easy to bash coaches. It'd be easy, to, easy to bash, bash the athletes. It'd be easy to bash, you know, anybody because of the stuff they're not doing. Um, but I, I think, you know, you could take, you could look at it from a grassroots approach and, and say, okay, well, you know, we got to get athletes to care more or we got to get more knowledgeable high school coaches, or you can look at it from the top down and say, well, we need more exposure as a sport. We need the diamond league to do X and Y. We need, we need the NCAA to do Y and Z. And, and, and I think there's, there's probably some credence to a lot of that, you know? So I I think that there's, there's no, there's no magic bullet, right? Just like, just like we were talking about training and stepping up for competitions. I don't think there's a magic bullet. I think that there's, there's a lot of things that everybody can do to, um, to, to help the level of sport rise. The U.S. system is quite different in high school than it is in Europe, where you have these academies, you have clubs that they specialize in certain events, right? So that you do all the sports and you do in the clubs, but you can work out with professionals and with seniors. There's no restriction with that in high school, especially in NCAA here, you have those restrictions. So some things might work, but... Um, like you say, it's really hard to say. Um, there, there's so many little things that we can do better, but I think the main thing is keep the fun part and the benefits part and all the all the, all the pluses that sports brings into us, right? And what I like about ACC and uh, our coaches, right? As coaches, is we do get along pretty well. I talk to you often, Corey, when I see him at the meets. He has a wonderful family. Like He's a great guy, BJ, right? Uh, Colin, like you said, and I think that's very important for athletes to see that it's not like me and guest you, right? <laughs> it's not a win or lose. It is at the end, right? At the conference level, the point. But the biggest thing is we all are in it together. If there wasn't for the second guy, third guy, fourth guy, we would not have this sport. If there was not so many people in sports, that first one, the winner would not benefit from that. I think that's the main thing to look at it. Because champions, I love guys um, like Philip was, right? Who would talk to anybody? And oh, I think all of my guys, right? And you have like Mark Arthur, right? Great kid. He's talking to everybody. He's yep. so friendly. It's not like, oh, I want to beat you today, you know. Well, I think I think we have to we have to preserve our you know certain aspects of our humanity in the, in the sport, right? Like I think there's a way to be ultra competitive, 
um, while, while also being humans, you know, um, and, and, and remembering that, that, that we're all here to compete. We're all here to try to win. We're all here to make, make student athletes better. And the student athletes are all here to make themselves and the people around them better. Hopefully we continue to progress as, as we are. And hopefully, you know, um, these things don't go unnoticed because they do change lives. Throwing does change life. Coaching um, is, I, I try to take it as every day at a time, but I, I, I try to keep in mind how impactful my words, my actions as a coach can be on a kid. Right, how much it builds them and how much they perpetuate uh, with everything that they do. Uh, and when, when you do, when you try to do good things and you do help kids, you help people around them, you make their life better, they make their families' life better, and we all benefit from that. There, uh, there's a ripple effect, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking to, to an athlete at practice, they might not be the only ones paying attention. Right. You know, there's there's other athletes that are paying attention. Right. And and whenever anybody whenever a coach talks to an athlete, there there are eyes and ears that that matter that are paying attention, you know. And so, you know, I think, you know, whether whether I'm building an athlete up or 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 having a really hard conversation with them in hopes to build them up, um, it, it doesn't just impact the person that I'm talking to. You know, like it impacts it impacts the group, it impacts the people around them. So so being really, you know really i don't know what the right word is but really and yeah just really intentional about the words that you use and and in the actions the actions that you take because it it, it there's a ripple effect mm-hmm. what are some things that you deal with when the injuries come you know how how it was for you as an athlete when you had injuries how did you you know you dealt with that psychologically and uh, physically obviously with your athletes it's a it's a really really stressful event right when it happens. Sure. So how do sure. you how do you help them? I, I think I think the biggest thing is is it, well there's a few things right. I think in, in no particular order, um, you know, being supportive and being empathetic and and being encouraging. I, I think those are those are three of the biggest the biggest things that you can do for a student athlete. You know, apart from the you know, the, the athletic training and the rehab and the, the, you know, the, the, the physical therapists and, and the doctors and all, all the incredible medical support staff. Um, you know, my, my job comes down to, to three big things, right? It comes down to being empathetic, being supportive and being encouraging in their, in their, you know, in their, in their process back to, back to getting on the field. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's always, it's never easy to get injured, right? You work for something so long and then, uh, thing, intentional and unintentional thing can get you out of it, and it's it's important to keep in mind biggest goal, right? The the main goal. Right? You will come back. You can come back from it if it's not as severe, right? And these things are always hanging over your head, right? So you got to know in sports, any day can be, you know, uh, it's a natural part of the sport. Yeah. It's a natural part of the sport, right? Yeah. I think just inherently, sports aren't healthy. Yeah. Right. And that's a really controversial thing to say. And and I'm sorry to the people that 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 aren't hearing what I'm saying right now. I'm not saying you shouldn't do them or they're going to, you know, always cause bad things to happen. But the human body is designed for survival, not for performance. Right. Like, yes, the human body can perform, but it's ultimately designed for survival. Right. And so there's I think there there there's some there's some some things with that that, 
you know, you, you kind of, yeah, just to keep in mind as, as you're training student athletes in, in injuries are, are, are a part of sport. What are some injuries you had? Oh man. I, I, I never had anything really severe. Career. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing season ending, nothing career ending. Um, I was also pretty stupid when it came to, uh, <laughs> to, to doing the right things in terms of, of, yeah. of rehab and all that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe I'm not stupid. I'm stubborn. <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe that's what it was. I, one of the two, maybe a combination of both. Um, you know, I, there was a year where I had really severe, uh, tendonitis in, in my, in my thumb on my throwing hand. Another year where I had uh, pretty severe biceps tendonitis. Um, you know, I, I think lower back injuries are, are very common with, with the heavy throws, um, and the javelin really, but, um, but, you know, lower back injuries. Um, and, and then, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm bone on bone in my knees, Okay. you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. At this point, I think I'm bone on bone. Um, and, and so that, you know, those are all, those are all, you know, things you, you deal with in sport, you know, and, and, and you, you try to rehab me, try to get stronger and you try to try to make sure that, that they don't happen again, you know? So that's the biggest thing is making Rehab, prehab, like warming up, being uh, being very serious about diligent about those things, it helps. Ultimately, the injury will will come, uh, depending on you know how long you are in your career. Sometimes you just you're not blessed with uh, uh, some things, right? Like somebody doesn't have good knees, they have good back, they have good elbows, but they don't have good knees, right? So it's it's so many so many things that can be uh, an issue, and you, sometimes you get lucky, but you got to know that. At the end of the day, how many athletes do you know that they were great? They never had injuries, right? Absolutely. Well, and, and also from a coaching perspective, there 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 are some things that that we do in training that that I you know whether it was be, it, it it rarely it was rarely not because it wasn't a part of training. It was mostly because I was stupid. Um, but just the you know the the rehab parts and and you know having a very extensive warm up we have a, we have a very extensive warm up that we do with our throws group um it it's very thorough if you ask any of our athletes you know one of one of my goals with the warm up is that you are dripping sweat by the end of it um and and so you it's it's thorough um it's very comprehensive and and there's 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 little elements of of you know, different, different touches on strength and, and elasticity and, and, and a little bit of endurance and, and, and things that are going to over time, uh, give you, give you a little bit more compound interest for, for, you know, for, for meets, for practice, and ultimately to have a longer career, right? Like, I think, I think that, you know, if you, if you have a thorough warm up and you get a lot of, a lot of good circulation and you, you get your core temperature up, you, that's how you preserve your career, right? That That's how you, that's how you're able to throw for more years. Yeah. So just the fact that injuries will come, it's not an excuse to have like, oh, I'm not going to warm up. I'm going to get injured anyways, right? Um, <laughs> so there's things always you can do to, like you say, prolong your career. It does not give you excuse that you can just go into throwing, which I knew some coaches that do that, right? They just go into the throwing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, okay, first 10 throws is warm up. And it's incredible to see some athletes perform and then obviously – we know a few that they're yeah, incredible, and it, but it didn't And it works on the day, yeah. right? Like on the day, often, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oftentimes it, it, it'll work for a set amount of time, right? And, and you know, my my concern is 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 typically, you know, 
do everything that you can. Do right? everything you can to throw for as long as you can. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and anyway, like, I'm not. I, I don't think either of us are in this to 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 burn kids out in four years and kick them to the curb. You know, I think I think that there there are a few bigger things at play than maximizing performance in four or five years and then saying good luck afterwards. Yeah. And and athletes will at some point they will look back into into their career like I can't believe coach let me do that right. So you have the responsibility for your athletes in the long term to learn what the most you can about prevention, implement it at a time. Know that those resources, if they're available, you have to know what they are, right? What kind of warm up, what kind of stretching, what kind of prehab that you can save your athletes because, you know, t- five, 10 years from now, they're like, oh my God, coach, let me do that, right? Like, that's unbelievable. I can't believe we threw Javelin every time, every day, 100 throws, right? Like, <laughs> like he's, he's, he or she's going to look back yeah. and like, what, what was that? Well, right? and there's and there's also, you know, and, and maybe this is a little transition, but but there's also, there, there, there are some things that are incumbent upon the athlete to to do. Right. And so, 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 th- so now what is, yeah, what, what is the athlete's responsibility in all this? Right. Yeah. Like, I think ultimately, um, in, in the collegiate system, the coaches is, is very accountable for, for what the athlete does and does not do. Um, and, and the athlete, you know, hopefully is, is very responsible with, with what they're doing as well. How, how much of impact has what they do on the side of the track and way through? Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, you know, we, we train, we train a few hours a day, but the majority of the day we do not interact, you know? So there's another 20 or so hours in the day that, that we, we need to educate the athletes on, on how to be, how to be good student athletes. Right. And, and that, you know, taking care of your body and sleeping and, you know, sitting down instead of standing is, is a big one sometimes, you know, and, you know, um, you know, if you're on, if you're on kind of a bigger campus, maybe walking around is a big thing. Maybe, maybe you help, you know, maybe you, yeah, take the bus, take a bike, you know, and, and find ways to get off your feet if you're walking a lot. Um, cause all that stuff matters. It, it, it matters. Um, you know, and then, and social life, social life matters, right? Like I, you know, we, we have, uh, our, our jumps and multi coach, coach, coach Eskin, one of, one of his things is, uh, you know, you, you can't soar with the Eagles if you're hooting with the owls, right? And so, you know, being being aware of your social life and, and the impact that that has on your on on sport is very important too. It can be understated, understated, right? I remember at Cal, I lived on Ellsworth and Parker, which is about a 25 minute walk yeah. to the track. Yeah. And my first year, I I would wear sandals and walk to the class, walk back, right? Because obviously California has great weather, right? And I wanted to be a surfer, right? <laughs> were they were they foam sandals or no, were they, they leather were, sandals? They were like almost wood. They were, they were okay. terrible, right? Okay. So after uh, after a few weeks, I get these shin splints, and my feet are hurting. And then the trainer goes, "Man, like I don't know what's going on." And like, where do you live? You know, what, what do you wear? You know, it's, I mean, this is what I wear every day. Like, where do you live? Uh, Elaine, right? I'm like, oh, I live on Ellsworth and Parker. Like, that's how long is that walk? And I'm like, a 25. So you walk. An hour and a half a day in these basically barefoot, and you're asking me why I have shins place. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so and I'm Elaine, like, Elaine, Elaine, me, right? <laughs> Elaine is is one of the not just one of the greatest trainers, but one of the greatest people yeah, I've ever yeah. I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. Yeah. And she has a very direct and mm. and sometimes humorous way <laughs> of of letting you know how wrong you are about something. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it, it's so important to have those people, right, to kind of get you on the right track because what you're doing on the side of the training has a big impact. If you're not sleeping, I had an athlete, he was losing a lot of weight. So I was concerned, like, okay, what's, what's going on, right? So I sit down with him, like, what's happening? Like, are you eating? Are you, are you, what, how's the situation at home? Oh, no, nothing, nothing's wrong. Like, I'm, you know, I'm eating well. So a week goes by, two weeks go by, and he's not performing well. Like, it's getting worse and worse. I'm like, okay, we got, we got to figure this out. What are you doing? Like, tell me your day. Like, oh, this is, you know, but, you know, I get up at six in the, six in the morning. I'm like, okay, what, what time do you go to sleep? Well, uh, uh, at 3 a.m.? Like, what are you doing? Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I'm, I'm studying. Like, you can't, you cannot study effectively if you don't sleep, right? So you're not going to memorize things as much as you will if your brain is, uh, has enough sleep. So obviously, if you look at all the research, that's when your memory is consolidating. So you do need, you really do need that sleep for studying. And you're not going to be as effective in studying and definitely not as effective in training. You're going to compromise your health, your stress level, the cortisol levels. You are just hurting yourself in so many levels, right? So what you do off the track is so it's very important uh, as much as you do on the track. Uh, I think that's one of the first things that we have to teach our athletes if they haven't done so or coaches before them uh, or just didn't have good habits, right? We can affect so much. Absolutely, and well, and another one that 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 sometimes goes by the wayside and throws is is hydration. Mm, yeah, right. Yeah. Just just something as simple as hydration with yeah. with water. Yeah, with water. <laughs> right, hydration with water. Um, and and I I think H two O. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Water. Yeah. Um, and and it, it just it has such a profound effect on on training and performance. Um, and and not just being hydrated for for one day right not just being hydrated for for competition day but being hydrated for for every day of life you know you you see that and sleep um even before nutrition right like i mean I, hopefully we we get good nutrition also but even 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 before the nutritional talk i i think you know hydration and sleep if we if you can nail those two things down nutrition is not hard yeah you're already ahead of so many things we had a great, we still have a great coach, uh, Tony Bennett, uh, basketball, right, NCAA champs. We, I would, ha- I would see his athletes walking around campus, we call it rounds, with a gallon of water between classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made them, encouraged them strongly to drink a lot of water. And that's, it can, it can be understatement, understated. Um, so we'll see what we're, things that we haven't talked about. Um, Oh, I wanted to ask you, what are some things that you do that people don't see in the coaches as a college coach? Where's your time goes, right? So obviously you spend time on the track. Sure. Often people think like, okay, you know, that's just a part of the job. Some things off the, off the track that you have to do uh, um, in your office, you know, college recruiting. What does it take a, lot, a majority of the time except uh, yeah, I, I think you know there, there's there's a few things at play, right? Like there's um, there's obviously recruiting that takes takes a chunk of time. Um, you know, I like to I like to preserve a few hours in the morning for for work in the office, um, and and really try to preserve that time between like you know eight eight thirty and and eleven thirty twelve maybe twelve thirty if if the schedules line up that year or that semester. 
um, for work in the office, for, for staff briefings, for staff meetings, for, you know, meeting with athletic trainers, for, you know, meeting, meeting with whoever. Um, and, and also, um, one thing, one thing that we do, um, that's not, you know, probably not unique, but, but, but that we do is, is I give them Wednesdays off. We have Wednesdays completely off, um, off of training and, and having a midweek academic day is, is really important for, for the, for their life as a student athlete. Right. And so it gives them a chance to either catch up or, or get ahead of, of their week. And it also gives me an opportunity to have a day to do the same. Um, and so I think it's hard to assign a percentage to, to every component of, of what we do that, that is not coaching. Um, but, but I will say that that coaching, you know, actual on the field coaching is, you know, it's, it, I wouldn't say it's the majority of what we do. Um, and, and I think it's also important to look at what, and and just, and just look at how, how we use our time. Right. And this is, this is something that I I try to do a better job of every year. And it's kind of, depends on, on, on the school you're at and, and you, you figure out how to optimize things year to year. Um, and then, you know, going from, from Southeastern or from university of new Orleans to Southeastern to Stanford to, to university of North Carolina, um, you, you really learn what's scalable and what's not, you know, like there's some processes that, that, that I had in place at, at my, my three institutions prior to UNC that, that are scalable. And there's some that, that are not scalable. Um, and really figuring out how to how to hone in and 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 learn what the job is at UNC, and and really optimize optimize the time for myself and for the athletes. What would you say when you were you would give advice to a young coach who who wants to be a coach? What, what are some things you don't now that you will that you wish you knew before, or you, advice that you want to give these young coaches? Not to say that we are old. Yeah, I mean we're not so young, man. We are not so young. Um, you know, I I don't think that you know we're we're obviously not the not the uh, the old coaches in the game that 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 are amazing and there's so much to learn from. Um, but we're you know we're also we're also pretty weathered at this point. Um, and and so one of the things that I got from uh, from Jess Ryden, who's our our amazing associate director of track and field, um, is is, you know, whatever, whatever the job looks like it is, whether you're the director of ops and ordering sandwiches and doing travel or coaching and doing the programming is, is get that stuff done, do it really well and move on. Right. Because there's, there's, there's other stuff that, that matters a lot also. And so if you can do a really good job, um, at, at writing the programming and obviously you make adjustments along the way and it's, and it's really, it's really live, um, and, and all in real time. And if you need to make adjustments, you make it. But having a good plan in place, it's it's not hard to make adjustments on the fly, and because they're not even really on the fly, right? Like they're just real time adjustments that matter. Yeah, little deviations that matter, right? And so so the more you can prepare, um, in terms of writing training, the more time you have to work on on some other stuff. And and so for young coaches, I think yes, the training matters. No, it doesn't need to. You don't need to work on it five hours a day. You don't need to write training every, every day. You don't need to write training, you know, for, for 10 hours a week, right? Like you, you spend some, spend some really quality, deep work time on that and, and, and move to the next thing. I like, I like that you're talking about adjustments like that and you don't have to spend so much time on it. Vestin, um, the coach, Cantor's coach, now Stahl's coach. Yeah. He's a pretty good coach, huh? Oh, all right. <laughs> a couple of good. He's coached a couple of people. Yeah. 
He said for Cantor, he developed a plan for him in seven days. Seven days, he did nothing but work on the plan. Cantor came up to him, he's like, hey, coach, can you be my coach for, you know, foreseeable future? I want to be great, right? So what it will take. So he spent, you know, he talked to him, got to know him, spent seven days just doing the workouts, percentages, approximately, right? What days, how the peaks, the, the cycles. And that's what they did for 12 years. The one plan in seven days that they did is what they what, that he did develop. They did for 12 years. And, and, and I think the, the incredible thing about that is this is a, this is a coach who could get wrapped up into that. This is a coach who could spend, spend not that he doesn't have better things to do. He obviously has, you know, some other things that, that he's got to do, but this is a guy who could very easily fall into, into that and, and just constantly obsess about what the training is. And he didn't. And you wouldn't question him because obviously he's, he's an incredible coach. So I think one of the things that I spend the most time on is like you said, recruiting mm-hmm. and, uh, Making sure to to call other athletes, well, obviously uh, student athletes that you think they might be part of your program in the future. Get to know them, get to know their parents, and paperwork that comes along with it is <laughs> incredible. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the things that I was surprised when I was uh, when I was in my first and second year is how much compliance we need to do, which is really important. Mm-hmm. You have we have this book. Uh, uh, have it with me. Um, I do actually. It is it was like five hundred pages. Yeah, the Division One manual. The, I don't know. I'm sure you know it as well. It's what is it? It's three hundred pages. Very comprehensive. Of, it's very three hundred pages of rules, plus bylaws, but everything. We have to know this every year, so you have to take a test every year or two. Uh, every year now, yeah, it used to be two years. Knowing the rules, complying by the rules, it took a majority of my time first year just to get to know that how much, who can you contact, when can you contact them, uh, who can you talk to, what things that you can do. Um, I was very lucky, lucky to have very good le- relations with our compliance office that they teach you and you know make sure you're doing the right things. Uh, I was, I was, like I said, lucky to have the compliance who was very approachable right so they're like martin come anytime come anytime they were very friendly so basically any before any call i had to make i would talk to them first year like okay what can i talk about what can i um what can i tell the recruits what can i not do Uh, so getting yourself to know these rules it's first really important and it will be helpful uh, for young coaches i think that's one of the biggest things for the first year and then just knowing that 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 will take a lot of time. Office hours will take a lot of time. Uh, working with other p- parts of the program, like um, s- sports uh, trainers, sports psychologists, nutritionists, teachers, uh, professors, right? That you have to t- uh, sometimes stay in touch, academic advisors. It's not just coaching. Co- coaching is a lot, but there's so many things that go into the development of the young athlete that you don't see it maybe as an athlete, but they are very, very important uh, in hindsight. Yeah. And, and the, the, another part, another part of, of, you know, advice to young coaches is, is, is be, be involved in the sport. You know, uh, one, one thing that, that my head coach, uh, Ben Dalton, who's a, he's one of the sprint coaches at Baylor now. Um, he was a head coach at university of new Orleans when, when I got there. Um, one of the things that he really, 
really pressed me on and encouraged me to do was was go out and and do do speaking engagements right go out and and be a part of that not not just as a vehicle to to meet high school coaches but also to be a voice in the track community um i think that there are especially in the throws community there's there's a limited amount of voices and and the more voices that we can have you know the 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 more knowledge that we can put out there the better it is for the sport and the more we can we can pick it up you know um and 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 one of the things that comes with that is is really getting away from subscribing to a, a training dogma yeah. right and and so so i think it's it's easy to fall into like okay what are the workouts that work well you know like let's let's try to add to the let's try to add to the literature mm-hmm. right like let's let's get a little bit risky um and in in a little bit unique and and add to the literature add to add to what's out there because you know, at the end of the day, maybe there really isn't anything new that anybody can do, but you can repackage stuff and, and, and see if it works better. And, and if you go through a good, solid, logical progression on on whether something that you want to try that's unique works, mm-hmm. try it. Try it. Be flexible. No, so important to be flexible in terms of, in terms of training. We talked about Vestin already and the 12-year the plan that he did with Cantor. So while he continued to talk about that plan, he's like, okay, so this is the plan that works Obviously, worked well, well for Cantor, right? Well, Olympic champion, a world champion, second of all time, right? He said it worked for Peter. It definitely doesn't work for Stahl, yeah. <laughs> right? So, yep. like, okay, it works for these people. It's not working for Stahl, yep. right? So, you got to find. Absolutely not work for <laughs> like, David Absolutely so. not work for him. <laughs> yep. So, he had to find out, and he did, obviously, he's a world champion, Stahl, right? Um, and I guess you have to be able to learn. You like, gotta, you gotta it, pay attention. So, right? coach like that, who's so successful, came down, you know, faced the fact that this is not working, right? It, it, it would be easy for him, like, come on, Daniel, this is work for everybody, right? Why, why it's not working? Yeah. Just do this, right? But no, he came down like, okay, what can I do for you? That was work for you. Well, and and in those situations, it would it would be a like you said, it would be very easy for Viestin mm-hmm. to 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 get on Daniel about why isn't this working? Yes. Why isn't this working? It's at the same fault, time, Daniel, yeah. Right? At the same time, if that was happening, it would be very easy for a guy like Daniel Stahl to think it was his fault. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then and then you you double down the effort and you try harder and it doesn't work even. Yeah. Yeah. more yes you get you know? more trouble mm-hmm. with the athlete or yeah and so train on the chain whatever it is mm-hmm. and you lose the opportunity to and, and so more. really just just paying attention right yeah. like just paying attention just watching what what's happening and make adjustments mm-hmm. based on what's happening yeah I, for f- what i've learned from coaches before me and i, I love to i love to read about all these inspira- <laughs> inspirational speakers right and uh life coaches the last couple of years i've been doing that what I found out, and it's really true, is never forget that you are there for your athletes. They're not there for you. All right. So you are you have a job because of them. Uh, you have a you have a career because they're willing to give you this trust that you're going to make good decisions for them. So you are their servant. You have this incredible responsibility responsibility for them, and you really have to learn as much as you can about them for them. Right, and what can help them? What can you do to make their life better? Right. So as, as soon, if there's a moment that you think that you are the reason uh, why you know the, uh, that you're the reason why they came to that to your school, or you're the the main the main part why they're succeeding, you you're losing opportunity to serve them. You're you're getting yourself ahead of them or above them. 
I think it's it's something that I struggle with as well. You have to know that if it wasn't for them, you would not have a job. And that's that's the minimum, right? But more than that, you have this incredible opportunity to make their life so much better and easier. And if they appreciate it or not, it's it's a one thing, but but you you can use it. And it's so gratifying, right? When you were uh, worked as a teacher, as a special ed teacher, uh, it's so gratifying and fulfilling. It's it's a it's an honor to have that, right? No obligation. It's an honor to be able to serve. Uh, people and, and make them uh, make them best versions of themselves, right? Yep. And I, and I think there there are a couple of things that that run alongside that. Also, I think one of them is one one of my goals as a coach is to be a stress reliever, not a stress causer, right? Like I really I I want to be there because um, especially especially with NCAA athletes, there's there's a lot of stress that goes with it, right? So why why do I need to purposely stack stress on top of that? We'll get we'll get better results you know, both, both in terms of distances and, and in life, if, if, if we create an environment that's, that's a stress reliever more than a stress causer, because the stress will be there. It'll be there, you know, whether it's, whether it's subtle or overt, like it'll be there. Um, And so creating an environment that's, that's a stress reliever is, is, is something that's, that's really important. I like what you talk about. We talked about this kind of related, but you know, it's kind of a related, I don't, I hate scary movies. Oh, I can't stand it. I can't. My life is scary enough. My life is like ter- my life is terrifying yeah, enough already. Right? Why do I need to go pay to get scared? I don't get it. No, I know some people like my father. He loves scary movies. Your dad doesn't love scary movies. Oh, right? he hates them. He hates them. <laughs> my dad loved that, and I was always like confused. Like, what, what, why do you like this? I don't want to be scared. Life is scary enough. Injuries will come. Like we talked about, there's going to be so much stress in a young athlete's life. And I love that what you said. Like, why add add more to it? Why yeah, not be, be, be a stress reliever? And and I think and I think also, um, you know, being being a positive coach, right? Being a positive coach and framing things in a positive way. And that doesn't mean everything's happy and nice all the time. But also, you know, it 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 means that like, you know, if my if my left arm is opening too quickly out of the back, you know, don't you you can't you can't just tell them like, oh yeah, your your arm's opening too quick. Okay, well, what do you want me to do? Right. Give me, give me some positive, give me some positive instruction on how to achieve the thing that, that I'm supposed to be doing rather than just tell me what I'm doing wrong. Don't do it. Yeah. Right. Cause it's really hard to not do something. Yes. Right. And there was a, um, um, when I, I was training in Germany with, uh, with one of my really good friends, uh, Esan Haddadi, he's a really good discus thrower. Um, you know, there was a, uh, a sports psychologist that, that, that he contracted for, for a few sessions that, that talked about that. And, and the example he used is, is a child in front of a stove. Like you can tell the child don't touch the stove mm-hmm. and then he touches the stove. Yeah. Right. Cause it's hot. Yeah. Don't touch it. Or you can tell the child, the stove is hot, put your hands in your pockets. Mm-hmm. So now you gave him something to do. Okay. You gave him something to do to get the result that you want to get. Yeah. Right. And so framing, that's what I mean when I say framing things in a positive way. Yeah. Right. And, and also having a positive outlook, you know, finding, finding silver linings, no matter how small they are. Right. No matter how small they are, find a silver lining in, in everything that's going on. But also, you know, n- you know, being being courageous enough as a coach to, to tell a kid to tell a student athlete when they're incorrect about something. And I think that's that's something that's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult for some coaches because, you know, well, what if they don't like me? What if they don't you know, what if they don't like what I said? Well, you know, if it you know, if you have enough conviction, you've got to figure out a way to tell them yeah. that that what they're doing is incorrect and, and also how to fix it. I love that. 
I love that uh, uh, that you have this understanding of that as well. Obviously, you haven't reached so far because uh, by accident, right? Uh, it's athletes. This is how I look at it. In t- five, ten years, like we talked about the training, right? Same as this with their habits or something that they're doing wrong in their personal life that you can see, right? That uh, it's affected them. I don't want to know their personal things. But if I see an athlete comes with a bag, baggy eyes, right? I know something happened that weekend, right? Or there's something going on, right? Things like that. And if you don't address that just because athlete is so talented, if you don't have some kind of, not repercussions, but some rules that you have to follow, like, okay, if you want to be part of this team, these are the things that we are doing. These things you cannot do. What you're doing right now is not the most intelligent thing that you can do for yourself, right? Not to say you're stupid because they're smart athletes. Obviously, they came to this part, right? But they're making some not 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 the best decisions for themselves, right? So if you're afraid that the athlete's not going to like you and that they're going to quit the team or whatever that might be and they're not going to score the most points or few points, if you're settling for that, Five, ten years from now, they're going to look back like, I can't believe Coach let me do that. Well, and there, there's also going to be a few athletes that, that see that. Right? And exactly, and so, yes. So now, yes, so now, yes, yes. now you're, you're risking sacrificing yes. culture in your group mm-hmm. to, to appease, appease a very talented yes. athlete. And that's something you certainly don't want yes. to do, yeah. right? Like I think, I think that, that culture is so mm-hmm. important in the group, mm-hmm. right? I, on, on a few occasions, you know, it will happen, especially with young men in college, that they are not doing – they're not making the best decisions that they could, right? We've been there as a, as a young athletes as well. Like there are some things you can do, some things absolutely you cannot do, right? And I was in a couple of situations that I had to tell athletes, okay, this is you know this is the uh, your last chance, like this is it. If you don't, if you don't it, let us help you to make good decisions, and these are resources that you have, and we have um, sports psychologists, we have sports nutritionists, we have. A lot of things that can help the athletes and you have to draw the line like this is it if you cross this line we cannot help you anymore here right now that you are like how dare you do this like you know i understand why somebody you know for instance will go out and drink underage right it's very tempting in a college situation in a college environment but there's some things you just can't do right well, and, I, and i think additionally you know really doing your best to address maturity issues mm-hmm. so that they don't become character issues yes Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's it's a it's a hard thing to do sometimes, especially when we talk about young coaches. When you have that stud, right, and you want to make it on, on your resume, you want to make it like look, you want to look good that you your athlete performs so well. But if you don't have values that you are uh, uh, that you strongly, um, I wouldn't say enforce, but that you strongly care about, the, the it's like building a house out of out of cards, right? It's going to come down very quickly. Uh, so you have to stand by your values, uh, no matter what. It's 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 so important. Uh, um, what are some things that we haven't? Well, so you know, so one one thing that I, I like for to young ask, coaches, yeah. yeah. Well, not even for young coaches, but one thing that that I like to ask um, in an effort to 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 be a better coach is is what are things that that help you prevent burnout? What are things mm-hmm. that help you stay mm-hmm. fresh? Right? What are mm-hmm. things that help you stay mentally stimulated? To to, to go do this every day yeah. and every year. Yeah. For, for me is that joy that we talked about, about seeing a person get better in track, get better in school, they graduate uh, as a, as a coach, that's what fuels us. And there's so many coaches out there 
they're doing this job, as we talk about especially high school, right? They're not paid or they're underpaid. Uh, it, it has to be um, uh, something more than just that paycheck, right? So, because you're not going to, you're not going to last for a long time in this in this career, and you're not going to do a great job. You're not going to do a service to your athletes if you're doing it for paycheck to paycheck, right? It has to be a passion, and I love seeing athletes progress. I love them seeing get better. Sometimes you can control some things. Sometimes you can't, right? But you, the things that you can control, you have to control. And when you do that, you sleep well at night. Athletes appreciate it, and it's just uh, it, it's so rewarding, right? It's I think purpose of life is to make life easier and better for people around you, whether you're athletes, your parents, your friends, and that's what we're doing here, or that's where we are we are given to do. And if we're doing a good job at it, and athletes will feel that, you'll feel that, their parents will be grateful. Um, it's just it, you can't put money on that. Um, uh, but it, it is hard. It's uh, coaching for ten months of a year. It is burnout. You sometimes you don't have a life except track, right? So you have to be there in the morning. You have to be there at late nights, weekends. We travel. So if you have a family, I don't even know how people with families do it with the kids. What what how they do? It. I want to interview some of the coaches, uh, maybe with, with a few kids. How do they do it? Um, Coach Georgia is doing an incredible job, right? Petros, I know he has a couple of kids um, on his own, right? And how's he being a dad and a coach and a head coach and uh, he's just well, and, and one one thing people talk about that that I kind of I, I, I kind of frame differently is work life balance, right? And I obviously don't have kids, and and when I do, we'll see if this is scalable or not, right? Um, and, and so people talk about work life balance. I, I try to look at it more like work life integration, okay. right? Because how do I, how would I possibly separate this thing that I'm so passionate about from my life? it's part of my life, right? Like it's part of my life. And, and, and there's so much of it that, that I think fuels, um, fuels itself. Right. And we talked about the educational aspect and the growth part of it and the results part of it and the performance aspect. Um, but, but I also, you know, like taking time to unplug is really important. Right. So if, if, if I do have some time, I like to go fishing and just okay. completely unplug, go to a place where the service is bad yeah. and just completely unplug. I'm a terrible mm-hmm. fisherman, but, but I really enjoy it. Um, I know a few coaches that. Yeah. And so, so taking, taking opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, I, I try to, I try to stay educated um, and, and look for, look for opportunities in other event groups to, to learn, right. Because there are commonalities that, 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 that may be able to come over into the throws, right? Like, you know, I take a, you know, take a jumps course from the coaches association and, you know, because ultimately the javelin is a running event, right? Like, yes, it's a throwing event, but it's, it's a running event as well. And so why not take a look at the horizontal jumps and see what kind of commonalities there are between, you know, between the horizontal jumps and the javelin, right. Or, or see what kind of commonalities there are, you know, between, the, the shot put the long jump and the hurdles, right? Because there, there are some commonalities that, that if you're paying attention, you can, you can see, you know, and one of them, you know, one of them being, being, you know, undulations coming down the runway or going down the track when you're going over hurdles or you're coming down the runway in the long jump and, and, and how, you know, the U S is, is really good at the, at the, at the, at the hurdles, the hundred and and one ten hurdles are really good at that. They're really good, really good at the long jump. So how do those commonalities, just in terms of of hip height undulation, how do those carry over to to the circle throws? Because they do. Yeah, 
No, it's and it's it's a little abstract, but it no. it, it it really it's really stimulating if if you can get into it and and see the commonalities. I like that. That's so unique that you're finding that you're combining your joy for learning with with the stress relief, learning something else that is not throwing necessarily, right? So that's your stress relief, and then but you're using that as well and throwing. That's that's unique. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 also talking to other coaches, right? Yeah. Talking to other coaches that have done this for a long time. You know, two of the ones that that stand out the most are 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 Bush X Snyder and Don Babbitt. You know, I've I've spoken with both of them um about about t- um strategies that they use to to stay fresh and prevent burnout and and coach Boo, you know, one of the things that that he talks about is he likes he likes reading things outside of sport. Right. Not just outside of, outside of track, but outside of sport. Like he, you know, he geeks out on engineering. Right. So he'll he'll read engineering books and 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 see if there's any commonalities. Right. And and the way his brain works is is so unique and so incredible. And it and, it, and he said it helps him. Um, or if you look at Don Babbitt, um, you know, he he's he's talked about how um, coaching ed opportunities throughout the world have have helped him prevent burnout. Right. And, and, and not so much in terms of the curriculum, but, you know, going to, going to do a coaching ed in, in, in Korea about the javelin and seeing what their approach to javelin is and, and, and how, how their culture and their population and, and their coaches have taken an approach to javelin that differs from anything that he's seen before. So it's really interesting. Yeah. One, one of the things that I, that I found very helpful, helpful here is that I can outsource, quote unquote, some things, right? We have a strength coach here that is, has been incredible. First strength coach we had, uh, he was in the same school program as I was, and he lifted with me and that's when that's I was here, all right? Uh, so he helped us, helped me a lot to put a little bit of, not work, I was still lifting my athletes, but I will find it, find it uh, much more, that they will, they will appreciate much more to have strength coach who actually knows about that. This is rare. <laughs> uh, strength coach who understands throwing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's his job. And uh, to, uh, to train along with him and train with my athletes, I find that a little bit of stress relief because they love beating me in the way through, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so go in there uh, without you know having to spot. I would spot them, but not uh, having two more strength coaches. We were very blessed here at UVA to have that great relationship with our strength coaches that they were willing to learn. We will sit down first year of uh, beginning of every semester. I will lay out the plans that we had in the past, what works right now and what, how we, how I want things to be run. Obviously uh, at the end of the day, if athlete is not, is not performing, I get fired. Strength coaches then get fired. Right. So, and then, and I'm so um, lucky to have strength coaches to understand that. Right. So we, on a weekly basis, we sit down and analyze some things. But during the weightlifting, uh, our athletes have our, their plans and they're throwing to strength coaches. I just go around and lift with them and they beat me. And that's a little, little bit of my stress relief uh, that I find four hours. And then four every, hours everybody feels good, right? Yeah. So, oh, I'll be the coach. And then they have, you know, two or three strength coaches at a time and I can spot them as well. Because um, when you have a big group, I think it's, it's hard to, obviously, it's hard to spot everybody if you have testing day, right? We have 12 athletes. I can't stand with everybody behind them, right? When they're doing squats or bench press. So it's so helpful uh, to our source. That's and a I, lot of reps to spot if it's just you. <laughs> exactly. Right? And I think at the higher level for, for a team to be successful, that's what you need. You need uh, strength coaches to be on top of their things. 
on, with communicating with you. You have you need trainers to be on top of their things, communicate with you and athletes, uh, compliance, academic advisors. It has to be a team to get the best out of the athlete, and it, it makes it so much more efficient. That's why I think NCA system is so unique. It can be great if, if some some of those things are missing in some schools. It's an unfortunate thing because there's so much to be gained with that. That's why you have so many great athletes coming out of the NCA running 985, running, you know, being in stands at 10 off. 10 off uh, watching 10 off the final, 1005, yes. <laughs> watching the final. Uh, that's why you have all these great athletes come from that system and not from Europe, not from uh, you know, Asia, Australia, because uh, it, it makes things so much easier. Outsourcing, having a team. Absolutely. And, and, and having a team that that is not just siloed in their own areas, right? But one that that really works holistically and in concert with each other because one, once you can get that that flow of information and, 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 and all that going, then there's a really nice cascade effect that happens and, and the results multiply really quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good. Um, I don't know if I have more questions for you. <laughs> I think we covered, uh, we covered a lot. I'll cut these parts. Um, what have we been talking about? Um, yeah. No, that's that's about it. What are some things that you, um, some message that you want to send to your athletes or uh, their parents or when it comes to recruiting or coming in high school when they're preparing for college, what some things high school kids need to look for, ask for coaches or pay attention to in high school that will help them be recruited uh, by UNC? Yeah, I think, I think one of the things is, is, is don't be afraid to show some interest. You know, I think it's, 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 it, it's very easy to, to, to show some general interest. Um, in, in the, the people that I'm looking for are the ones who are, who are excited about us, right? Because we're obviously excited about you or else we wouldn't call. Um, but, but ones that are excited about us, right. And, and ones that have taken a little bit of time to, 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 to get to know just a little bit about us, um, between calls. Um, and, and also, you know, one of, one of our big things at, at, at UNC with, with the throws program and, and the entire track program. And I imagine the, the athletic department is we, we want a blue collar attitude, mm-hmm. right? We, we want student athletes that want to get in and work hard and that are not afraid of being tired. Okay. You know um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's important to work hard, just, just as important as it is to rest hard, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and looking for student athletes that that want to do that, right? That want to work hard, that want to have a blue collar mentality, that want to be tired, um, and and that want to see want to see their performances show their work. If athlete doesn't have top ten mark in in, in um, on a mile split, right, in high school, mm-hmm. how can an athlete gain your uh, get your attention? What uh, does what do they do need to do and say, Coach Nick Farr, I deserve to be on your team because of what? I, I think I think that there's some athletes that 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 jump off the page, right? Mm-hmm. Like whether or not it's it's a performance like yourself, fifty six feet, <laughs> yeah, fifty fifty five foot stand, fifty seven foot glide, monster conversion, yeah. Um, and so <laughs> and so I, I think that there are there are things that that the good ones have that jump off the page, and 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 and, and we as coaches need to be able to identify those things, right? You know whether it's 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 academic or athletic or personality or you know work ethic or you know things like that. You know like there's there there's a kid that that 
you know, we we've been recruiting that does not have incredibly impressive marks, but this athlete on the delivery and the shot put is about two and a half feet off the ground. And, and if you're not paying attention and you're only looking at the mark and you didn't see the throw, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss athletes like that. Um, in, 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 and on my end, just going out and seeing those kind of athletes and, and seeing who they are. Right. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things for, for recruiting at Southeastern, for instance, is there, there are a ton of, there are a ton of talented underdeveloped athletes in, in Louisiana and, and in, and in the entire, I mean, everywhere. Right. You know, but if you, if you don't go out and see them and all you see is a 37 foot shot putter, a 37 foot girl shot putter, you might not know that she's six foot one and, and is doing it from a stand throw without a reverse. Yeah. And no conversion. And no ring and, and no and no ring to practice on, right? Like oh, yeah. right? Yeah, like they, yeah, they yeah, might yeah, be yeah. practicing in a field on grass yeah, and, yeah. and she only knows how to do a stand throw. Well, now you're throwing secrets for our coaches. Yeah, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna to. yeah, I don't wanna give away all the launch codes, but 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 the point is I, I think, you know, being able to identify yeah. things that jump off the page beyond the mark. Yeah. Um, because you can see that stuff. You can see that stuff in a video. You can see it better in person. Yeah. What I like, I uh, obviously love looking at athletes' videos to see how, um, if I can't physically go to their state, state meet or whatever it is that they're competing at, I love to see the videos of them throwing. So I, I appreciate when the athlete, student athlete in high school, they send me an email. Okay, the coach, this is my PR. This is my throw, right? So we don't have to go through all those steps. I can already see uh, what, how are you throwing? Obviously, I can see the mark on Milesplit or at the other, at other websites out there to see how far you threw. Uh, but what I can't see there is usually the practice throws or the competition throws, right? So I appreciate that very much. How does an email that is not well crafted affect how you recruit an athlete? Have you ever gone to one of those? Yeah, I, I think I think that that you, you get emails sometimes that are not ideal. Yeah. Right? Like you get emails sometimes that JK Coach LOL. Yeah, and, and, and not just the colloquialisms, but also from an email address that doesn't have their name in it and they don't sign their name mm, in the email. Yeah. And then you don't know who they are. Right. Yeah. So I think I think, you know, there there are a few a few boxes to check yeah. as as a high school student wanting to reach out to a college coach. Um, about competing, right? Mm -hmm. One is very clearly communi communicating who you are, where mm -hmm. you're from, how far you throw, and how do I contact you? Yeah, you yeah. know, because sometimes that doesn't that doesn't come out in the initial email. You would be surprised, yeah. Yep. How how many times you receive an email like that? Hey, coach, what's up? I want to throw. Right? Yeah. Hey, coach, what's up? I want to throw for you. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, now now we're gonna take three or four emails to figure yeah. out who you yeah. are, how far you throw, where yeah. you're from what your grades are. Yeah. Um, and, yes. You know, yes. and, and grades, so, yeah. so just really clearly communicating early on um, some of those, some mm -hmm. of those boxes that you got to yeah. check. Yeah. Good. So if I'm not, if I'm an athlete trying to be recruited by coach Nick Farr, obviously what I'm hearing right now is I need to learn how to write a proper email to like have a little bio and say why I want to be part of the team. Right. I think that's in a perfect very, world, in a yes, perfect yeah, world, right? Yes. In a perfect world. But I think, I think that if you're not top 10 athlete, that you're going to be sure. In, yeah. in, in, in one of the, one of the big takeaways I think is, is, is be excited about the coach you're talking to, right? Because I'm excited about talking to you, you know, and, and I've had, I've had some incredible interactions with, with student athletes that I'm recruiting 
and and one of the you know one of the recent ones that that will be memorable for my entire life is is a student athlete uh, that I visited at high school some time ago that you know first time I ever met her sat across the table from me and and had a very very interesting conversation she was completely engaged and and maintained eye contact for for nearly the entire conversation and and that jumps off the page right that jumps off the page because she was able to identify that I was interested in talking to her mm-hmm. and I was able to identify that she was interested in talking to me yeah, about yeah. about her future now, one of the things I tell athletes when I, when I call them is not just about the team what we have here at UVA, what kind of academics we offer or whatever it might be at a time. What I like to tell them too, like, I don't want you here if you don't want to be here, right? If you if you don't want to be part of this team, if you don't feel like you belong, if you, you don't feel that sh- this is a good school for you, I don't want you to be there just because you're a great athlete, right? I'm not going to trick you into something, quote unquote, trick you, right? Try to persuade you to come to UVA if you don't think UVA is the right place for you, right? So like you said, same thing. You got you to gotta see that they want to be there. Right? Yeah, and just and, and, and I think another piece of advice for, for high school athletes wanting to be recruited or junior college athletes wanting to be recruited or international athletes, any of that is, is, is give us the same clarity that you expect, right? Give us the same clarity on where we stand as, 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 as the clarity that we expect, you know, to give you. You know, because I want to I want to be very clear and upfront about where you stand on my recruiting board. I want to be very clear and upfront about scholarship talk. I want to be very clear and upfront about all that. And 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 it goes a long way for for the student athlete that's being recruited to to be to be to play everything really straight. Also, how big a role do coaches and parents in high school athletes play a role for you? How do you communicate? It's, a, it's athlete to athlete, right? Okay. I think there there are some coaches that are some high school coaches or parents that prefer to be very involved, um, and that you know that that continuum goes all the way over to not being involved at all and at all and just being like, oh well, it's his decision or her decision, and, and it's all it's all fine, you know. But it but it all says something, right? It all says something about about their background. It all says something about um, you know, the, maybe not the level of interest that, that the parents or the coach have, but, um, you know, there, there's a takeaway from all that, you know, I think, I think that, um, I really appreciate when, when more than one person is the one asking the questions during a visit, you know, like if there's, if there's kind of a, maybe not equal disbursement of questions, but like, if everybody, if everybody has stuff that they want to know, you know, and it and it's not just one person taking the lead on the whole conversation. Um, you know, that's that's I think what's ideal. You know, because everybody shows that they they have an investment in 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 what's going on. Similar similar experience as you. Some athletes, parents, or coaches will be more involved. Some some less. I know parents of my some of my greatest athletes never did track, and they like coach. I I know. I don't know what to tell you, right? Like, I don't know what's good for a kid in terms of training, but I can tell you that he or she um, is not responding well if they're not working with a group or they prefer to train by themselves, right? So there's some things that parents and coaches can give you that cannot be overlooked. And like I said, some parents never did track. Then they don't want to talk about track, but they will let me know, okay, you know, my daughter is really good, like I said, in, in a, uh, does well in a group or she's very visual or uh, some things that can help me. What what can help me, it can help her, right? We all benefit from that. So that's, 
I like to check in with coaches and and parents. I had some conversation with some parents who would talk for hours about throwing because they were throwers too, right? Some parents were just like, okay, what's the tuition? What's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, how much, you know, how much money can mm-hmm. you offer my kid, right? Yeah, they, they've all got stuff they're interested in. They've all got different yeah. pain points yeah. in, in, you know, it, in, in every bit of information is telling about, about yeah. the, the yeah. student athlete's background. Yeah. No, it's, it's very important to get to know your athlete the student athlete in high school before you bring them to the visit or, you know, get to know them on the visit, their parents, before they step on grounds, as we would say here, before they step on campus, so you know how to help them the most, right? And uh, I didn't mind putting athletes in small groups or bigger groups, depending on what they like, right? Some some athletes love training with five people, right? It's really hard for me to train with five people at the same time. I don't know about you, uh, but I would, you know, I would make some things – uh, some workouts that we can do with the five people, right? We can do some jumps or conditioning uh, with more people. What's, when I, talking about that, what's your training philosophy? Uh, how many throws? What's the general ballpark? How, how big the group? Which which throwers can go, come with which throwers? Obviously, like you can't throw a hammer and javelin at the same time, right? So what do you, what do you like? What's your daily or weekly routine with your – Yeah, and I, I, think, I think a lot of that is facility-dependent. Right. Okay. And so so just kind of the way the facility set up, um, you know, our facility at UNC was very different than 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 our facility at Stanford was different than Southeastern was different than University of New Orleans. Um, and so just basing some of that on on the way the facility set up, because at University of New Orleans, for instance, you know, I, I could have I could have a hammer thrower and a javelin thrower throwing at the same time because the runways were were 10 meters apart. You know, the runway and the, and the ring was 10 meters apart at, at Stanford, um, you know, it kind of in order from one side to the other. It was hammer ring, discus ring, javelin runway, shot put ring. And so, you know, I could pair hammer and discus. I could pair discus and javelin. I could pair shot put and, and, and javelin because those were the ones that were next to each other. Um, and, and it's, you know, different at UNC, right? I've got javelin on one end and I've got everything else on the other end. So things just kind of structurally are a little, a little different. Um, in terms of my preference on the number of coach, a number of athletes I like to coach at once, um, you know, any, anywhere from, you know, three, four, five, you know, once you get past four or five, I think it gets a little bit difficult to, to really try to dig in and individualize a lot unless you're doing something very general or doing a lot of drills. Um, we like to throw a lot. Um, you know, and, and it works out well because, you know, we can have, we can have, you know, hammer and discus go at the same time. We can have shot and hammer go at the same time and, but still have, you know, two or three or four people throw at once and give them, give them a lot of individualized attention. Um, and I, I like to have the javelin group. We, we typically throw two days, um, in, in the javelin and then I like to have them have their own time. Um, and then we had four javelin throwers this year. And, and so they were able to have their own time at the other end of the field. Um, and I wouldn't have to split time between them and, and the other side of the field. Um, Cause I, I think, I think just having more individualized coaching for the amount of throws that we like to take is, is important. Okay. You know, no, pretty much same here, right? Depends on a facility, depends on the schedule of the athletes, mm-hmm. right? So you can't have them at the same time. Uh, they have different classes at different time, right? Uh, so there's so many components that, that uh, play a role there. Uh, maybe javelin, you can have more people because they t- tend to have more time between the throws. Mm-hmm. 
But if you have just the hammer ring or just discus ring, you can't fill them up with five people, right? That's that's, that's a traffic jam right there, right? That's yeah, and then and then you spend and then you end up spending two hours in a session that that could take forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, could take forty five minutes or an yeah. hour, and and still have kind of you know have have enough time in between right. throws to to recover. So I've, I have an exciting question for you. Oh, right. you now we're we getting to exciting questions. Here we go. All right, so we've been in here for like two hours. I'm a high school athlete. How far? What I need to? Do, how far I need to throw to get a full scholarship? Oh my goodness! That's that's the uh, that's the question of the day every day. Yeah. And and, and so I there there are just there's so many Is moving number, parts right? with that, right? Yeah. There's so many moving parts with that. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think a like and here's here's the 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 thirty thousand foot view answer, right? I, I think that sport opens has, has the opportunity to open so many doors for people, right? Whether it's at the high school level, college level, professional level, whatever, it, it has the opportunity to open so many doors. And it turns out the further you throw, the more doors you can open. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I think if, if I'm at a, if I'm in a conference where 50 meters is, is a conference champion in the, in the men's javelin, you might need to throw 50 meters to get a full scholarship. If I'm in a conference where 76 meters wins the javelin, but that that institution cares about nationals and really wants to focus on nationals, you might you might need to throw further than 50 meters to get a full scholarship, right? And similar across other events, right? So I think really looking at what the need is at the institution that you want to be recruited to or or is recruiting you looking at what their need is and really asking those kinds of questions. Um, I, I try to be upfront about all of that. Um, and, and, and really learning about what the institution's need is because, you know, if I'm, if I'm a student athlete in high school getting recruited by three different ACC schools, there might be three completely different offers. One might be 10%, one might be 50%, one might be 97 and a half percent. Right. And, and, and those are all for different reasons. And, and I think, you know, to the athlete's credit, they, they should try to leverage that 97.5% scholarship if they want to go to the school that's offering them 10%. They should try to leverage that a little bit. Um, but also understand what the institution that they want to go to, what they're trying to do, yeah. and, and, and if and how and, and where they fit into that. Yeah. And, and every school's different. Every school's different. Yeah. So there's a there's a good non-answer for you. You all know that you just gave us a couple of golden nuggets of wisdom here. Athletes, if you're a high school athlete, listen to this because this is a very common question. This is a very important thing to know is check your conference. Check the conference of the school that you want to that you want to contact. Right? I hate I, I appreciate every email I get from every athlete. Right. I, I really do. And I, I answer all my uh, all the emails or as many as I can. Sometimes I get 30 emails a day. Uh, on Instagram, we have over 20,000 followers. I get hundreds of messages every every day, and I try to respond to them as much as I can. But what I liked to, to get is very specific researched question, right? So not just general. Like, you know, I can tell when you send me send me email, send me an email, more, everybody's same email, right? I can tell that the email was general, right? It wasn't specific. What you, what you guys just heard, heard from uh, Coach Nickfar here is do the research on the school, See what gets top eight or, or what wins the conference. And that's how you're going to know what's the full scholarship or possibility of it. Sometimes you can have, you know, three throws and shot put. Uh, there was a time we had four guys over 18 meters. 
and obviously that's going to be hard to get a scholarship on, in that event for that school. So that's really, really good advice, guys. Listen to this. Uh, what Coach just said, do the research of the conference, see what scores, how many points, and then check maybe what's the what's the goal of the of the school. Because um, sometimes, yeah, it's it's so hard to get an answer, right? Like, okay, this is the distance. But also, I'm sure you have these athletes that you saw, like like Pobo, for instance, he threw 17 meters, and you know that you kid. You got to find a way to get him. Right? Find a way to get him. <laughs> right? Like those those kinds of athletes, yeah. you, you got to just find a way to get them. Yeah. You yeah. know? Like how many how, – okay, how many 18-meter shot putters would you have had to have to not recruit Pobo? Right, right. You know what so I mean? Exactly, like just kind of – Because he's 17 Yeah, time, just right? hypothetically, like mm. it, it, if, if you had six guys over 18 meters – yeah. You'd probably still recruit Pope. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's what coach is looking in, into the as well is the potential. That's something on our side. And that's why it is important to send the coach the video, send a little bio. This is what I throw. This is how long I have been throwing. I love when they tell me that. Uh just to save that time, because you can be, be lost in those emails. Uh and if you're looking for a full scholarship, know where to look at, right? So you can't uh save yourself a time if coach Nick Farr is in a great academic school, as he is, and UVA as well, right? Um, if you have 2.0 GPA, it probably it's not the best school to contact, right? So there's there's things that you have to know uh, to to funnel your time effectively. Is look if you're a fit, if you're just if you're not sure if you're 3.0 or you know 2.8, but you have great grades in uh, mathematics. Um, then yes, contact you know high academic schools, but know your strengths and weaknesses. I, I would say sure. Best, and and I think important. I think there's some there's some cases like Pobo different than Pobo, like Daniel MacArthur, for instance, right? Yeah. Um, you know this this guy and and big credit to Coach Metters for mm-hmm. for identifying that talent at a high school. Daniel Daniel I believe was a 59 foot shot putter at a high school, but he's also from North Carolina. Right. So now now you've got an in-state kid that you can go put eyes on in the Charlotte area that you see throw 59 feet and probably a lot less than that the first time or two that, that Coach Metter saw him. And, and and there's there's a process that the coach goes through, you know, when they see when they see the, 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 the student athlete move, when they see the delivery, when they see how the person carries themselves in between throws, when they see after a good throw, when they see your reaction after a bad throw. Right. Like all, all that stuff matters. Right. And how you carry yourself. And and if something jumps off the page, like you're, you know, ultra explosive in a certain part of the throw. Right. Or, you know, if 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 you have a certain attitude and bounce between throws when things are going good or if they're going bad. Right. So so if you take Daniel MacArthur, 59 foot shot putter out of high school. That that in and of itself is good. It's very good. Yeah. But it might not jump off the page unless you unless you see it and you know that he's only been throwing for one year. Yeah. I like that what you said about uh, watching athletes how they react at the bad good throws, bad throws in the high school. Absolutely, it is so important, guys, for coaches. When we look at this, I remember Coach Babbitt when I asked him about Reese Hoffa, right? Like, how did you, you know, how did you know he's going to be great? He's like, Martin, I watched him at the high school meet, and I saw him warm up. He said uh, he was uh, he was running on his toes like a sprinter. It was a big kid running like a warming up like a sprinter. I'm like, this kid is. It's great. I'm like, what I have no idea. Like, what does that mean? Right? Like, running on his toes. Like, he was running like he knew how to run, right? So he spotted the talents, uh, which tells you guys that we the smallest things that we can see can make a biggest difference. How much not just scholarship you get, but do you have get a get a phone call at, at all? Uh, so everything that you do matters on little 
starting from emails, warm up, how do you react to your teammates or the competition in high school that you didn't throw well? How do you respond to that on a recruiting visit if you're engaged? Well, and how do you how do you react to your coach at your high school coach when he's cueing you? Yeah. Right? Like are you are you paying attention? Is your head down? Are yeah. you looking somewhere else? Yeah. Are you you know, what yeah. what are you doing during that time? Right? That that's all yeah. stuff that matters, yeah. right? And not just not just in terms of getting recruited, but that that matters in terms of of the future, mm-hmm. right? Like the future in the sport, right? Because yeah. Chances are, I, I want kids that are going to pay attention when mm. I'm queuing them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like yeah. I want kids that are going to pay attention. I want kids that are locked in yeah. and and focused yeah. at, for as much time as possible. Yeah. So yeah, there's thousands of equations that we go through before we make a decision about how much time to spend with with an athlete to recruit them, and how much money they get. Obviously, that's the biggest question for every parent, every athlete: how much money I can get. It depends on so many things. So there's no certain number. Even like you said, even if you're throwing the world record, but you are a very, very hard kid to work with, not to say douchebag, I don't think anybody is going to recruit that, right? So if you don't want to, uh, you don't want to compromise your culture for one kid who's going to throw your program down and burn it, right? Mm-hmm. So it, they, even if you're a top kid in the country, if you're not showing some human basic uh, good behaviors that you can show the, ki- the 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 coach, like coach, I deserve to be on your team. I think it can benefit both of us can benefit uh, in this relationship, then yeah, unless you can, unless you can prove that you're not going to be recruited. So you can be, you can be a world record holder, but sometimes it's just not worth it. Right. And or, or you can be a 55 uh, stand throw, 57, 55 stand thrower. 55 stand thrower. And Cal comes in like, okay, you're not playing football. No, no, I'm playing football. No, you're not playing football. You're yep. going to be a yep. thrower. Exactly. You're be Olympian, right? Exactly. And, and part of that is, is I had a really good person advocating yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and part of that. Why? Was, because you had something good going on. Who right? knows, man? I've asked yes. him before and he's like, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I think he might regret I'm, it. I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and yeah. so, you know, there, there was something that, that, that Mike Bunsick saw. There was something yeah. that coach Geraldo saw. And and it was good enough to to earn an opportunity. Yeah. I didn't get one dollar in in athletic aid until I was a senior in college. Really? Wow. Um, and granted, it was at a different time, and tuition costs were were much different. Yeah. Um, and and I was also an in state, yeah. you know, an in state um, applicant, yeah. and, and so so things you know things just cost wise were much different. But the fact that you were at Cal, but right, but it earned me an opportunity, yeah. right? Yeah. Like like doing doing what I did in high school earned me an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, and at the end, I think I got $2,000 as a senior in college as an athletic scholarship. So the entire five years yeah. I was there, $2,000 my last year. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, and that's also a question, right? What do you get from being at the institution? So you can yep. get a full ride yep. at the whatever X school, mm-hmm. but you, you got the opportunity to get in yep. at Cal. Got the that's opportunity, an earned an right? opportunity. Yeah. You know, and and I also I really feel for for the student athletes and parents that 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 are that are going through it now, given the the cost of education. Right. I think I think the cost of education is something that um, was much different when I was in college. And 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 many, many of the coaches my age and older um, didn't have that kind of cost associated with our education. And it's something we're very conscious of and 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 I'm very empathetic of. Um, And so, you know, they're. There, there are times where the finances just don't work, but I also want to be helpful in those situations, right? I want to be helpful and I want to, I want to be a resource for, you know, for the student athlete that, that is a really good fit for us, but the finances don't quite work out. So I want to be a resource, a resource to help them go somewhere else. Okay. 
So that's a great question. Now, there's another great question, right? We say the best for last. Why would I pay so much to go and be a student at your school if I don't have to do at other school? If they're offering me full ride here and you offer me 20%, why would I go to you? Maybe you wouldn't. Okay. Maybe you wouldn't. You know, I, but, I think yeah. I think that, that the reasons you would are, are very aspirational, mm-hmm. right? The reasons you would is because you want to throw really far. Mm-hmm. The reasons you would is because you want a top five public education. The reasons you would is because maybe you want to be in a top 10 or top 20 business school and in a top 10 psychology program and, and, you know, a top 10 or top 20 program in, in a variety of subjects. Yeah. Right. So the yeah. reasons you would are aspirational. The reasons you wouldn't are, are yours and, and very yeah. personal. Yeah. I love this. This is guys, this is the best part of the, of the podcast right now. That's, you will not hear this from many coaches, right? So this is uh, coach Nick saying, and we have similar, we have, I think same uh, philosophy when it comes to this. I'm not going to lie to you. If this is not a good fit for you, if, if you're not looking for the things that we can offer, this is not a good, good fit for you, right? That you, you, you should take whatever uh, different money the other school is offering. If somebody tells me, coach, I want to, my, my priority, I'm, I'm not going to name the school, but there's only one school uh, that it can compete with us with this in academics. I would say there's few, but I would say one that makes sense. If you say, if you're a great student, you want to be a, a lawyer or doctor, and you have a choice between us and this one school that is not an ACC, by the way, I will say go to that school because I know we cannot offer you what that school can offer you. If your if your goal is to be a lawyer or a president of the U.S., if you want to be president, you can be a UV as well. But um, there's there's only few things that we cannot offer. And if that's the case, I will tell you right away. Like if you're looking for this part, and like you said, we don't have that program. If you uh, what you're looking for. Um, architecture, uh, or agriculture. I say one is that we there's no there's no major at UVA, right? There was a kid from Europe recruiting. He wanted to be a farmer, uh, and he wanted to study something agriculture. We we don't have that major. Right? I'm not going to trick you in to come here because uh, we don't have it, right? So um, there's there's only a few things that you can uh, we can offer or we cannot offer. And if that's the case, if your coach tells you that, appreciate that coach. Because they don't want you, to, they don't want to trick you into something that you are not going to benefit from. And, and, and I also think it's it's important to highlight what we can offer, yes. right? I, I can't offer you a forty or fifty year decision, not a four or five year decision. I can't offer you the opportunity to change the trajectory of your family history, right? By going to to a school that's as prestigious as UNC or UVA or or any of the other public Ivies or any of that, right? We can't offer that. So if that's important, maybe we're an option. If it's not important, it, it's okay to go somewhere else. So there you go, guys. Yeah, if it's worth it, you'll know it, and your coach will communicate that with you. Uh, if it's you know getting a student loan to make sure that you get this incredible opportunity, it might be worth it, right? So uh, the couple hundred, couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars, and when you put it on it, put it on a list, it depends what you're looking for at the end. So there's some things you can get from some schools, some things you can't get, and that's the biggest biggest question now is uh, and. and and the problem in the U.S. is the student loans, right? So the amount of money uh, uh, kids pay to go to school. But if if so, that's why knowing why what you want and what can school offer you is very important to have because you can get a lot of debt basically for nothing sometimes, or you can get a lot of debt and paid off right away, right? Because you you do have these opportunities and it may, it's well invested money, right? So. And, and that kind of that kind of stuff, I think, really. You know, it, it'll show itself pretty quickly, 
right? Like it'll, it'll show itself pretty quickly in the recruiting process, whether, you know, whether or not it makes sense to, to go to a certain, a certain school, right? Like it'll, it'll show up. Um, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's a family decision, right? Like I, you know, we can recruit you as, as, as hard as we want, but ultimately it's a family decision. And, and if it makes sense, let's do it. If it doesn't make sense, you know, I, I'm more than willing to help you find somewhere else if you don't have somewhere. No. And, and when I recruit athletes, sometimes when they, when they tell my coach, I committed here, right? I'm like, okay, no, that's fine. Right. I'm fine because I know what the kid is looking for. That's the school that they're going to offer you. Sometimes they're like, well, I'm going here because of this. I'm like, oh, well, I will tell you honestly, you know, talk to your parents, make sure this is the right uh, situation. And this is what, right, what you're looking for. And, but I'll be honest with you. If we, we cannot offer you what you were looking for, I'd, and this goes back way back when we talked about if you don't want to be here, you know, if we if we cannot offer you what you're looking for. I don't want you here because ultimately you will find it out and it's not going to be fun for anybody. Right. So if you're in a bad mood every day because, quote, unquote, I tricked you to come here, it's just it's just bad for everybody. Right. It trickles down. So. All right. Well, coach, thank you so much for being so honest. Absolutely. I, I think I think. um this has been this has been a really good opportunity to uh, to spend some time with you, right? Like we're really good friends, so it's a good opportunity to spend some time with you uh, over the phone and um, and and talk about stuff that we're both really passionate about. You know, um, I, I think it, it's not not too often that that you, you get to spend this much time with with somebody that's passionate about the same things that you are and, and have a really good conversation. Um, and, and hopefully there's something, you know, there's something in here that, that somebody can take away and, and, and use, you know, cause I think that's ultimately the point of this is, is to be helpful and, and give somebody, you know, give somebody something they can take away. So we'll just throw a bunch of stuff at them. And if there's one thing they find that yeah. that's helpful, then, then we did, we did a good job for the whole sport. Right. So I hope so. Any, hope any so. nuggets of wisdom that you guys can take away from here, uh, is if it helps you, this we've done our job, right? We 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 paid back, as we like to talk about paying uh, forward, right? So people, coaches who helped us in the past, we feel obligated to help coaches and kids that are coming after us, because that's the only way this sport is going to continue. And we're, we're sharing knowledge as much as we can, our successes, our failures, and if you can learn from that and make your life easier, we we did a incredible thing, right? So if there's one thing that you can take away from here. Uh, we are going to be very happy uh, that we did that, but uh, I think it's going to be more than one. Coach, uh, me and Nick Farr here gave you some incredible nuggets of wisdom. So take some notes after this. Let us know. I mean, thank you so much for, Absolutely. for taking and, this and call. So, so for for the three or four people in the U.S. that don't follow you on Instagram, what are your <laughs> what, what's your what's your handle on Instagram, Twitter? You know, how do people how do people get a hold of you? Because you know, there, there's probably a few people out there, you know, one or two at least that, that don't follow you right now. So I think what we do, what we, what I try to do with our social media, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, we have everything is to share the knowledge exactly what we're doing right now. And you're doing a great job with your Instagram account. If you guys are not following, I mean, Nick Farr, look him up. Uh, it's going to be easy. At to Nick Farr Throw Far. There you go. And it, it tells you everything. So I think he does a, a, the same thing as we're doing at UVA Throws is sharing the knowledge, sharing the drills, sharing the experiences, uh, seeing everyday life of athletes. I think that's what made us so popular uh, on social media is that honesty that, that I try to share uh, or day-to-day -day basis, what we do here. And I think athletes benefit from that. I know coaches love it. Athletes love it. Like I said, we get so many messages every day. 
because we share those 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 moments that we're going through struggles and and great things technical um i think that's very important and that's what we're trying to do with this so i appreciate you so much to to uh get into school and, yeah. well, and i and i think and i think that that anything we can do to interact with the world in in a meaningful way right like you know the uva throws account um um, at Nick Far Throw Far on on Instagram, and and just anything we can do to interact with the world. Um, and and if like I said, if there's if there's one takeaway, um, that that you can that you can have, I hope I hope you found something. Um, and and this is certainly not uh, Coach Merrick's only only podcast. Um, he'll he'll be pumping out information and 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 you know keeping you up on on everything they're doing and. And we'll do our best to keep you up on everything we're doing at UNC yeah. and, and and create some more voices in the throwing world. Uh, and uh, the the reason we're having this podcast with the coach, uh, Nick Farr, is because actually Coach Nick Farr suggested that. Uh, he's like, Martin, why don't you have uh, already, you have some, uh, you have a platform, why don't you get some coaches off? I'll be, I'll be happy to be the first coach. And I, I can't believe I didn't think of that before, is getting, I mean, how valuable is this to hear from the coach what he or she is looking for at their university. And so thank you very much, Amin, for suggesting that. And uh, we'll try to – we'll definitely have more of these conversations. And if you guys have any questions, let us know. Shoot Coach Amin Nickfar throw far at uh, Instagram a message with the questions. And you can throw us if you have any questions. And we'll continue this this conversation because I remember you said in, in 2008 when we went to that uh, uh, <laughs> that dining hall, a one-man band actually – and we were talking about the sport of track and field. Remember, guys, first Olympics, what was it, 18? 1896 for the first modern Olympic Games. So this sport is, has been here longer than any of us. People who did it, who started it, uh, we have to be grateful for them. And, you know, 100 years, who, who knows, we, anybody, you know, remember us, but they're going to do the sport because uh, we, are, uh, we are paying forward. So those people before us, we have obligation to, to pay it forward because they gave us opportunities, and that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, so, again, I mean, thank you. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Uh, talk to you soon. Yep. Hope you guys took down some valuable information from this video. Coaches really do pay attention to every little detail that might help them better understand the character of their athlete that they are recruiting and if they are a good candidate for their program. We'll continue to provide you with more similar insight that might help you better prepare yourself for college. If you're a college athlete already, then you'll learn how to be even better at college athlete. And if you're a parent or a coach, you'll learn how to better understand your kid and help them in a way that you might not have been able otherwise. Stay tuned for the next episode and throw far. Mm-hmm.